Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Oh, now I got y'all wondering, huh? Yeah, that's good. If you're online and you didn't see it, there's like a little table with some chairs. That'll get to at the end, but just wanted to... Uh, you know, get you guys thinking about what's going to happen at the end of the message. Well, good morning. Way to wake up, all of you, you overachievers. Good job. Um, awesome, awesome. Hey, I know I probably, like most of you, had a hard time getting up, but I am so excited about what we're talking about today that, that it actually wasn't that difficult for me. I had my cup of coffee even before I came here because I'm wearing a white shirt and there was no way I was getting coffee on this white shirt. So I drank it before and then changed the shirt. So, so I, I am so stoked because I actually love the series that we're doing right now, The Great Divide, because I feel like it's so relevant for today. Like, like the idea of our minds being, being pulled apart by like, what does God say to us? By what does the world and what do our own flesh say to us? And that, that whole idea, and especially today, because today we're going to talk about worry. Now, how many here can say that worry and anxiety and stress, all those things have been rampant um, in our culture today. Who can say that? Raise your hand. Yeah, we know that, right? And in fact, I wish we could say it was outside of these walls. But if we were honest, those of us that sit here, we struggle with some of this worry, right? And in fact, recently an article came out that said right now, like at this exact moment in time, that we as a people are more worried and have more anxiety than ever before with the stuff that's going on in Russia and Ukraine, with just coming out of the pandemic, with inflation, with all this stuff, like Americans now are more worried and anxious about what is going on than probably almost ever before. And, and, and at least in this generation. And that is why it's so important, church, today, that if you're a Christian in this place, to please hear the words that God is gonna speak through us today. Because it is a great light to the world to see people who even in times of craziness can have peace, amen? And if you're in here today and you don't know Jesus yet, you are still searching. I'm telling you that the things that you've tried to do um, that, to try to battle your worry and your anxiety and they haven't worked before, today I want to give you the word of God that, that I know can help you in that time. Okay? Now, there's a couple things I want to do before we even get started and hop right into the message. Number one, I want to just, again, implore you to know this, that we would love for you to help us launch Riverside, okay? We have a great, um, a great thing going on there, and we want you to be able to sign up. We need 50 people to go there for a full year. And listen, if you're not serving anywhere, this is for you. If you're like, man, I really want to get involved, I really want to do something, launching a church is a great way to start, all right? Because really, we need hands and feet to get in there, set up chairs, help out with kids, all kinds of stuff. So please, if you feel like that is something you'd like to do, I want you to do this. Scan the QR code, and you can uh, go to hit Help with Riverside and sign up there, or you can go to nbcc.com slash Riverside and sign up there. And I just wanted to say that one more time. I know Pastor Aaron already said that. I just want to say it one more time because we would love for you to join us in that. And as you're on that QR code, I want to give you a couple things that I personally found in my sermon prep for worry. If you go into resources in there, you're going to find two books that I used that I helped, that helped me kind of formulate what we're going to talk about today. Number one, it's called Winning the War in Your Mind. It's by Craig Rochelle. That's a great book, great practical book. Number two is called uh, Don't Let the Enemy Have a Seat at Your Table, and that's by Louis Giglio. I encourage you, especially if you're struggling with anxiety or worry, anything like that, to buy one or both of these books. They are 
They were huge helps. I, in fact, I use a couple of the tips that Pastor Craig Rochelle uses. And so if you would like to do that, you can go to resources and hit that. In fact, you can just click the title. It'll take you right to the Amazon link and you can buy it today. And today, again, we're talking about worry and anxiety and it is such a huge issue for us today. In fact, can you just turn your Bibles? It's not gonna be on the screen, but if you have your Bible, go to Mark chapter four. I want you to see what Jesus says about worry really quick. Mark chapter four. This is when he's talking about the parable of the sower for you for you Christians, this is like that parable where he talks about, you know, the seed being thrown. I want you to go to verse 18. And he says, And those and others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. But listen to what he says. But the worries of the word of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it becomes unfruitful. And can I be honest? That right there, that verse is plaguing the church right now because we have the word, we can hear the word, but we are letting the worries of the world choke the fruitfulness of what we know. And we are letting things that are going on in this time and age in, in your own personal lives and we're letting it choke the fruitfulness of what God has for us by the word of God, by the truth. And so that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about how can we stop allowing worry to choke, to separate us, to divide us from the fruitfulness of what God has for us, all right? So that's what we're going to be talking about today, just so you guys know. So can you guys bow your head and pray? We're going to get ready with a sermon. Father, you know how excited I am to talk about this, the passion that you have given me to, to, to talk about the things that I see so prevalent in our church and in our world. And God, I know the impact that it can have. God, when we allow your truth to impact our lives and to change us for the good. And God, not only what it can do for us, but what it can do for those outside of these walls, for those that need to have that peace that surpasses all understanding. So God, let that penetrate our heart today. Let us walk out of here different. In your name we pray, amen. amen. How many of you have dogs? Good, raise your hand. A dog, oh, I love dogs. How many of you have cats? I pray for you. Okay. Uh, I don't know why you'd get one. There are times when I want a cat, like when there's kittens. Like they, that looks like fun. But then like 99% of the time, it seems like having a cat is just a real downer, um, to be honest with you. But dogs are, I love dogs. I have a dog. His name is Remy. He is a Border Collie Queenie. He's about this tall. My dog is weird. All right. I don't want you to think like I have like the best dog in the world. I don't. Okay. But I love him. He's my dog. Okay. He's great with my girls. Um, he doesn't know a ton of commands. Like he knows sit when I have a treat in my hand and he knows that. He definitely doesn't know stop barking. Um, but so he, but he's, a, I, I love my dog. And, and if you have a dog, you probably know this, that your dog has a couple, like, there are a couple quirks that he has, and, and they usually revolve around something that, that you do that he associates immediately with that he's going to get something out of it, right? So I'll give you an example. I could be any, he could be anywhere in the house, anywhere in the house. He could be outside. If my arm brushes the leash, okay, and here's the, because it's on a hook, and here's a little clink, he will jet from wherever he is, right? Because he has forever has associated that little clank with we're going on a walk. And he will jump and he's, and he's like that fun dog that like can't stop moving his paws. Like he gets like, he's all crazy. And, and uh, so he's, he loves that. 
My dog also, like whenever you walk by the refrigerator and you reach for the top where his treats are, he then gets really, really, really excited and he starts to like move. Like when I tell him, okay, sit, he can't like stop moving. Like he's just like this all the time. Um, that's my dog. I love my dog. And there's a reason actually why that happens. It's called classical conditioning. Or if you remember your high school science, psychology, or or science class, they actually taught you this. This is the Pavlo, like Pavlov's dog. Does, does that kind of ring a bell for some of you? It's been a long time since high school, so it's okay. Um, but if you remember Pavlov's dog, like you remember that, that he you know, would set the, set the bowl out and see when the dog would, would salivate when they'd see the food, but then he noticed that they would start salivating when they just heard the footsteps. So Pavlov, Pavlovium conditioning or classical conditioning, right? And, and we see that in dogs all the time. To be honest, there are some things you probably see in yourself, right? You have a couple little things that, that when they happen, you automatically go into, you know, a mode. I'll, I'll give you one of mine. Um, when I, for whatever reason, I do not know how this happened, people, but it happened. When I park my car in the driveway, I have been conditioned to grab my phone and just start scrolling on nothing. Like, I don't even know what I'm looking for. I, and, and you're like, that's so weird. I understand. My wife thinks it's super weird too, especially when we have to get the kids out of the car and I'm just sitting there. I do believe this though, that there is a certain angle of your car and you know, it's your seat. So it's, you know, been formed to you over the numbers of hours you've had to sit in the 91 traffic that, that when you, um, that when you're there, it's just comfortable. Have you ever been so comfortable when you get home? You're like, it's just too much work to go inside. Like, have you ever been there? Like, that's, so I, I feel like that probably happened, but for whatever reason now, we're in that angle and I just grab that phone and I just start like open up. In fact, I had to put like a timer on like my phone for just five minutes of social media a day, just so that like I could like get out of the car and help my wife because I'm just being a horrible husband, just sitting there and just being, she's like, Charlie, I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I don't even notice I'm doing it. We all have that. You, you know, you have that, that text message little ding all of us iphone users we all know like the little the, the ding and we all know we got a text message for you android users i don't know what happens to you but um but for us i like we could even in fact we're so classically conditioned to like grab our phone that apple had to put like a driving mode right because when you're doing 65 75 85 miles down down the road and you hear the ding you're automatically like oh let me check my phone and you take your eyes off the road right and so apple was like what are you people doing? So they had to put in a mode so that your classic conditioning couldn't just go to your phone and check it out, right? All of us have little things like that. And if you don't know what your little thing is, just ask your neighbor, they'll tell you what it is, especially if your neighbor's your spouse. Um, so we all have stuff like that. And those are all funny. And some of them are funny and some of them are weird and quirky like, like mine. But some of them are not funny. Some of us have been conditioned that when we hear a certain word or a certain topic brought up or a certain name brought up, we have been conditioned to go right into worry, anxiety, stress, anger. And we hear these things and we pop right back in to the way that we've always handled them. And it could have been since your childhood. I'll give you one of mine that is not as funny. Um, so I, my last name is Bakar, um, not Baker, okay? You've all heard it now, so it's Bakar. Um, and, uh, and so when you're a little kid, 
you know, they usually sit you in the, the seating chart by your last name, right? So alphabetically by your last name. So B's always sat at the front. Um, I was homeschooled, uh, kindergarten-ish, first grade-ish, and then I went to a Christian school um, my second grade year. So I didn't know any of the kids um, who had been going to school together through preschool. And so my second grade year was horrible because for whatever reason, um, I just got picked on every single day. And kids would t say things about me. Kids would lie to, to the teacher about me, about words that I said. They would say that I said words that I didn't even know what the word was. Like, they would be like, he said the S word. I was like, I don't know what the S word is. Like, tell me, and I'll tell you if I said it. Um, and, uh, and that was like, and so I grew up getting picked on. And so there is, I have, uh, I've been classically conditioned to where when I hear laughter behind me, I get very, very worried. Um, so if I hear someone laughing or if I'm, or if I'm uh, uh, in a meeting and, and people are having a side conversation, my immediate reaction is to stress because I think I've done something wrong or I think I've done something stupid or I think people are making fun of me again. And you might have something like that. You might have something or a topic or whatever it is. Maybe it's even just the kind of, of the color that you see and it reverts you right back into the same rut that you've been in. And, and, and you're back in that same rut and it's just like you're just going around and a rut, a rut is literally defined as, as, as a, like a trench or a pathway that is, that is kind of engraved itself over a period of time, right? Like we, we see ruts like when you drive a car in a, in like not on a dirt road and the rut of the tires is right there. And a rut is something you can get stuck in, right? And you're just back there. And some of you have ruts that you've been in for a long, long time. You've been in the same thing, doing this. Like when the topic comes up, you have the same reaction. You go to the same spot you did when you were 12 years old. You have the same thought process. You handle it the same way. And there are two things that have happened. Either you get out of it, like the, 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 that time has passed. And so then you tell yourself, all right, I'm not gonna do that again. Or you make excuses of why it happened. Those are really the only two options you have. Because if you're going back into the rut, doing the same thing, you're either going to tell yourself it'll be different next time. You're not making really any changes. You're just going to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to think my way through it. And you just go back to the same rut. Or you just start making excuses for why it's okay for you to have that rut. Because it's what someone else conditioned in you. Or that's just, this is the one that bugs me the most. That's the way God made you. Because um, I want to talk about what the truth that God says in, in a second. And so those are two things. Now, this is what you have to know about ruts. To get out of a rut, you have to dig a trench. And a trench is different than a rut, right? A rut is something that's been there just through time, not made on purpose. It's just time has caused it there. But a trench is something way different. I'm sure many of you have dug trenches in your life for, for different things. When I was a kid, um, we would go to Mexico on mission trips, right? And we went to this place called Rancho de Sus Niños. Um, that was an orphanage. And so when you go to Rancho de Sus Niños, you work the first half of the day is all construction work, right? So we like roofed a house. We poured con Someone is living in a house that I helped roof. I pray for them every day for their safety. Like I <laughs> no idea why they let me on that thing. But like, like I'm just, I'm just the dear God, that's all you. And so, and, and, but that's what you do, right? You do construction. Well, one of the days we were digging a trench and we were digging a trench from our property or Rancho de Sus Niños property across the street to the neighbor's property because we were going to exchange water and electricity. I think they were going to give us 
uh, electricity and, and we were going to give them water. So we were digging this trench and, and across this road. And if you've ever dug a trench, you know this. One, a, especially when you dig a trench in hard, compact desert dirt, it is difficult, right? It takes effort. Now the trench has a purpose. Like it has a place that's going to uh, start and a place that's going to stop. And it has a reason of why you're digging it. You're not just digging it for no reason, but it takes effort. And you have to have your shovel and you're digging in it and you have to have your pick and you're loosening up the dirt and you get sweaty and it takes time and it takes diligence and it takes a will and it takes a purpose. And that's what a trench does. In order to get out of your rut, you're going to have to dig a trench. It is going to be difficult. It is going to take effort. It is going to be uncomfortable, but it's going to have a purpose. And you have to have the will to dig that trench. It is going to take you inserting yourself into the equation with God to say, I want out of this rut. Now you might ask, all right, so how do you dig that trench? Charlie, what does that trench look like? Well, in order to dig a trench, you have to turn the, those triggers that put you back into that rut into truths. You have to turn your triggers that have sent you back into that rut all the time and you have to make them and turn them into truths. This is what I mean. Can you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter six really quick? Matthew chapter six. If you've been at church, you've probably read this scripture, but I want you to see how Jesus talks about turning triggers in the truths. And so if you can go, Matthew chapter six, go to verse 25. In fact, if your Bible is like my Bible, it will say at the top, right above verse 25, it will say the cure for anxiety. That right there, for those of you that struggle with that, should give you some hope. That Jesus, like he wants to address an issue that's been going on since the beginning of time of anxiety. And he even says, here is the cure. And he's gonna have a lot of different ways that he addresses this that we're going to talk about today. But he says, this is the cure for anxiety. And so this is one that most of you will know. If you don't know, this is going to be a good thing. Write this down. Verse 25, for this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not reap nor that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to your life? I just want to pause there. So put your finger there. I just want to talk to you really quick. Do you see what Jesus says first about, about being worried? The first trigger, he's going to give you the first truth. He says, you're worried about all this stuff on the ground. He, he says, you're worried about clothing and food and, 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 and what are you going to drink? And you're worried about all this stuff on the ground. And I love what Jesus does here. He, he gets your attention from the ground to at least be in the air. And he talks about the birds, right? I talked about this a little bit at the worship night. And if you weren't there, let me tell you, you missed out on a great night. And so you should go to the next one. But, I talk, but seriously, it, he, he takes you from the ground. What are you worried about to the air? Look at the birds. He goes, they don't, they don't worry about any of that stuff. And doesn't your father, the truth, that, that he's going to say, if you're worried about this trigger, don't you know that the truth is your father cares for you more than about the birds and the birds don't even worry. So why are you worried? And he elevates you from looking up at the birds to looking farther and past to the heaven. He says, when you start looking at the temporal things, the, the temporary things, the, the food and the clothing, and what am I, what am I going to drink? He's like, you're looking down at the world, then the world will always worry you. 
The world will always have things that are going wrong. So you need to turn your attention from what the world is doing to what eternity is doing. Do, do from the temporary to the eternal. He goes, that's the first thing you got to do. When you're triggered by these things that are going on in the world, when you're triggered by, man, the gas prices that are happening, when you're triggered by, man, inflation, when you're triggered by these little things, and they, they put you right back into that rut of worry, and now you're anxious and you can't sleep. He's saying this, stop looking down, start looking up. And then he gives you another one. Go ahead, we're going to keep going on. And who are you who are worried about clothing? Now, didn't he already address clothing? Didn't he already address clothing? He's already, so he, he wants to talk just about this trigger for a second. And then he gives you the truth. Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these temporary things, all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And this is the key. Because this is the part where I could just stop and just say, don't worry. But this is the effort. This is the digging of the trench. This is the ultimate truth that goes behind the cure for anxiety. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The truth beyond all these things, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let me, let me just, how many times do we do that before we worry? How many times are you seeking God's kingdom before you, you just go right back and worry? Can I talk to parents really quick? How many of you have taught your child to worry about what school they should go to? What, what kind of college is it? How much will, will um, you get for the scholarship? How many of you have taught your child to worry about all these things and have neglected asking your kid, did you pray about it yet? Is God saying this is the place for you to go? How have you done in that when you've been looking for a new job or or trying to figure out if you should make that purchase or you should choose that career or take that promotion how many times have you just weighed out all of the temporal things and forgot to consult the eternal father and god i'm just trying to seek your kingdom god i just want to know what you want me to do because you'll be surprised sometimes at what he says because guess what god's not always like hey follow the money Or God's not always like, hey, you know what? Go to the most prestige college you can go to to make the most money you can so you can take care of your family. That's not always what he says. And yet we just assume that we know God's answer. So we seek first our own righteousness and hope God blesses it later. And then we get all, we get in this situation where we're worried and we're stretched and we're, and we're, and we're anxious and we don't understand why because don't we show up to church and don't we do all this stuff and aren't we in the building? And God's like, well, yeah, you're doing all the things right up until I ask you to seek my kingdom. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that's a little much. It's a little much. If you want the peace, the eternal peace that comes with not worrying about temporal things, the first thing you got to do is start that idea of I'm seeking his kingdom. And for those of you that are like, that, that are just sitting there saying, Pastor Charlie, I get what you're saying. 
but I don't think I can come out of this. I don't think my brain will allow me. Can I tell you that not only does the Bible say you're wrong, that science says that's wrong. Do you know there's a thing called neuroplasticity? That, that talks about that your neural pathways, the triggers that put you from here to over here, that those can be changed. That your brain chemistry of what you've been conditioned to believe can be changed. Do you know one of the, one of the ways that your brain chemistry can change? is through prayer. In fact, look, look at this from Dr. Carolyn Reef. She's a, a neuroscientist. I don't know. I think that means she's a scientist of the brain. I'm pretty sure. But it sounds really good. And I know that she's smart. And she says this, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. The type of prayer increases activity in brain areas associated with social interaction, compassion, and sensitivity to others. It also increases frontal lobe activity as focus and intentionality increase. Now, doesn't that kind of make sense? That if you sit with the creator and you pray and you, and you begin to give him the things that are going on in your life, doesn't it make sense that the creator of your brain could help change your brain? Doesn't that make sense to, like, to us who believe in that, in, that kind of, in that kind of power? It only makes sense that, that if the, the creator of everything could help us change the way that we've gone back into the ruts of worry, that he could help create new neural pathways. And he does that, and he gives us the formula with truths. And so how are you going to apply that to your life? I've had to do it. I have had to, to take time to turn my triggers into truths. And I'll tell you one of them. And I, and I, I meant to bring a card up here because I have little colored cards that sit um, in a chair that I read at, and they sit kind of to the left of me. And they're bright colors. They're like blue and green and stuff. Because I have triggers, just like all of you have triggers. One of my big triggers that puts me into worry and anxiety is displeasing people. Now, I would encourage you that if you have a trigger to find out why you have that trigger. What is the source of that trigger? I'll tell you mine. Not only was I picked on as a kid, but my family life wasn't very good. Um, there was fights every single day in my house, and I'm the oldest of four. And so obviously, like, you know, if, you, if you're the oldest, you know that, you know, you, you, we're, we're the practice kid, and we're okay with that. Um, so I'm the oldest of four. And when I would do something at my house for, for just, this is my own family situation. So I'm not, this is just how it, it happened for me. When I would do a chore in my house, I could never do the chore right. So when I would put away the dishes, I could never put away the dishes right. When I swept the porch, I could never sweep the porch right. When I did my homework, I never did it in the exact order that it should have been done in. And all I wanted to do was to make the person say, good job. So I have a trigger that when I disappoint people, I feel like a disappointment. And so if I know that like someone on staff or one of you is like disappointed in the way I handled something, there's a trigger within me that will go, man, how could I have done it better? Or... I don't like them. Just, they just think they know everything. It'd be one of those two things. And I will think about it. So what I did was I put uh, the truth down, which is Galatians 1.10, where Paul talks about, he says, I am not here to please people. This is my own personal one. I am not here to please people. I am here only to please Christ. For if I have to please others, 
am I not a bond, how am I going to be a bond servant to Christ? And I had to put that truth. And so every day I read that truth that I, if I disappoint people, I am not a disappointment because my only job is to please Christ. I am a bond servant to Christ, not a bond servant to anyone else. And I have to repeat that truth to myself. So what are yours? What are your triggers? What are the things that you need to sit down and to think about and to vocalize to the Father so that you can get out of your rut and you can start digging that trench of truth so that when that thing happens, all of a sudden it's not back into the same old rut and you're trying to fix it and do all that kind of stuff, but that you can rest in the truth of what the Father says about you. And see, some of you just keep it in. You're like, I'll fix it myself. I'm telling you, that's never gonna work. This is what I truly believe. Even based on what Dr. Carolyn Leaf says, I, I really believe this, that worry begins to dissipate when we stop eternalizing it in ourselves and we start to vocalize it to the Father. Worry tends to dissipate when you stop internalizing it to yourself and you start to vocalize it to your Father. But what does that, what does that look like? Because if I'm vocalizing it to the Father, I'm gonna tell you, he's gonna talk back he's going to give you some truths and this is this is what i mean when you hear that truth the truth allows you to sit at a table for two this is what i mean go ahead turn your bibles to psalms uh chapter 23 a, a psalm a lot of you will know right off the top it says even though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they come for me verse five for you prepare a place for me, a table for me in the presence of my enemies and you have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. This is what I mean. All right, so we're gonna use the table now. Um, all right, so imagine, imagine we have set up a table, right? I'm gonna take Kyle. I know, I'm so sorry, bro. Come on, bro, let's go. Kyle, take a seat at the table. All right. All right, imagine, imagine Kyle has invited me to this kind of weirdly romantic dinner. Um, it's taking me out. But Kyle says, Kyle says, hey, Charlie, I want to talk to you. Like, let's talk. I want to be there for you. I want to talk about things that are going on in your life so I can talk about things that are going on in my life. And we sit at a table at this small little bistro table, and, and, and we sit at this table for two. Imagine if while we're sitting there, I start grabbing my phone, and I start texting someone else. <laughs> Imagine that. Oh, yeah, well, okay. It's Pastor Eric. Marriage pretty nice, yeah. uh, I start texting someone else. And in fact, imagine we're sitting at this table for two. He's invited me to. He's paying for everything. And I start texting. I'm texting Lencho. And I'm like, hey, Lencho, meet us. Hey, meet us at this restaurant. And Lencho comes and he pulls up a table, a chair right here. And he just starts talking to us. In fact, not even to us. He just starts talking to me. And he starts sitting here and he just starts, you know, we're just talking. And I'm leaving, I'm leaving a, a Kyle out of it. What, how should Kyle feel? Upset. Because I've taken a table for two that Kyle has prepared for me, and I've invited someone else to sit at my table. Kyle, you can go sit down. Thanks, buddy. You did so good. You were awesome. Man, I felt it. Um, that would be totally rude, totally inconsiderate, right? That's what we do to the Father every day. You see, we, we sit here at a table with him that he's prepared in the presence of our enemies, right? And you know what we've done? We've allowed the enemy to come and to sit at the table. 
And he, and the enemy is such a good liar. He's so good. If you don't think the enemy is a good liar, he's lied to you, okay? Because the enemy is the best liar. He will tell you things you want to hear. He will tell you things that you already kind of believe about yourself. You'll never make it. You're always going to be like that. You'll never get out of that rut. And he'll tell you things and he'll whisper into your ear and he'll tell you all these things. While you're sitting at a table with the Lord, you've allowed him to come and sit right here and tell you things. And listen, some of you have gotten really good at not believing those lies and I'm so proud of you. That is a huge step. But can I tell you that the devil didn't stop lying to you? Because now he sits here and this is really where I feel one of the main issues is for the church is that now he sits there and he doesn't tell you things about yourself. Now he starts to tell you things about other people. Hey, it's their fault. All this stuff that's going on in the world, it's their fault. It's his fault. It's her fault. If they weren't in power, none of this would be bad. If, if they didn't get elected, none of this would have happened. If they, if they weren't, if they weren't in, in, in a place where they had authority over you at the work spot, your job would be great. And, they, and you know what the devil loves to do? He loves to put flesh and blood on evil. Because it takes your distraction away from the devil and it puts you on a person. But what do we know what the Lord says? He says, your fight isn't against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. The devil loves to get you distracted from that. He does, man. He loves it. He loves to see. And in fact, he's so good at it that now he's even getting to the point where he can divide people in church. And he can tell you that another Christian is the problem. They're, they don't know what's going on. You do, though. You have the truth. He's given it to you. You've taken a little T truth that he's given to you, and you've neglected the father who's sitting there with all the truths, and you've said, okay, this sounds better, so I'm going to do that. I like the way that, the, that, that that person, I like the way the enemy put it, so I'm cool with that. I'll just go with that one. He loves to just do it. Do you know how he does it most of the time? Philipp, go to Philippians chapter four. This is another way that he loves to stress us out. Chapter four, verse six says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything be in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a great verse? But then he tells you what to do to get there. He says, finally, brethren, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything excellent and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Man, the devil loves to tell you all the things that are going the wrong in the world. He loves to tell you all the things that are happening down here. So you stop looking up there. And the Lord is saying this, if I have made everything good, then just start dwelling on the things that are good. Stop looking at the news and looking at everything that is bad. Start going outside and walking around and looking at nature and saying, man, isn't this cool? Start listening to a kid's laugh and saying, man, isn't this a great day? Start looking and hearing the things that are of good repute and are worthy of praise and all that kind of stuff. And do you know what's going to happen to worry? When that happens, it's going to begin to dissipate because then all of a sudden, nothing that's going on in a different area means anything because you know that the eternal Father is going to take care of it. That happiness and things that are worthy of praise have not left this world. You've just been distracted by an enemy sitting at your table. 
And you've allowed yourself to dwell on these things. And if you think you're already there, this is a good test for you, especially for those of you that have Instagram. Go back in your Instagram feed. Go through all those recent things that you've said. How many of them have dwelt on things that are not good? And how many of them have dwelt on things that are worthy of praise? Because I, I honestly, I follow some of you. Okay? I do. And I understand, I understand things are going on in this world. And you might be sitting there and telling me, Charlie, you're just the eternal optimist. You're, you're, you're never going to see anything wrong in this world. I'm a realist. I want to see what's going on. That's just how God made me. Well, let me tell you, if you think God made you like that, then what do you do with that verse? Because if he's telling you, hey, you're dwelling on things that you can't fix, start trusting in me, start looking at the good, start dwelling on things that I've already given you, that's what you should be worried about, then guess what? Trust the truth. Dig the trench. Stop falling back in the old rut. Stop thinking like you got it figured out. Because that's not the Lord. That's not here. That's not the truth that he gave you. That's the enemy that's pulled up a seat at a table he wasn't invited to. And you got to learn to kick him out. Even when it feels like what he's saying is helping you. It might be a podcast you have to stop listening to because it's not letting you dwell on good things. It might be a news organization that you just got to be like, you know what, I'm done. Because it's not letting you dwell on good things. It might be a walk you need to take outside or grandkids you need to play with. Whatever it is, kick the enemy out of your table because he's not welcome there. And for those of you that, for those of you that you haven't accepted the invitation to sit at the Lord's table, that you've thought you've had to get yourself all together, I'm telling you right now, he's inviting you to sit down. He didn't care what you look like. Amen. And you know that peace that I was talking about, that can be yours. The anxiety and the stress, that cure can be yours. But first you have to do what? Seek his righteousness. Repent. Seek his kingdom. Stop seeking yours. Start seeking his kingdom. And that peace that he talks about in scripture, it can be yours. You just got to sit down and don't let any other enemy take a seat at your table. Can you bow your heads? I'm going to pray with you really quick. Father, as this is a, a topic, God, that is so relevant, not only to the people outside of this church, God, that are struggling with anxiety and stress, but God, to those of us in here who have been distracted, God, who have allowed the worry of our life to choke the fruit of what you have for us. God, that we would begin to come back together with the mind of God, with the truth of God, and that God, if things go wrong, that we take that, that some would call it the eternal optimist, but God, we would take that truth to dwell in the good things, and Father, we would move forward, and God, in a time that the world has anxiety and stress. God, let the church be a light of what peace can look like even in the storm. God, let that song that we sang at, at the end of worship service, God, let it not just be a song. Let it be a praise that we take outside of these walls that when people look at us in the workplace, in, the, in a shopping mall, and wherever it is that we are, that, Father, they would see a peace that surpasses their understanding. And that we would be knowledgeable enough to tell them that, yes, I used to have triggers. Yes, I used to have things that brought me down. But I relied on the truth of God. I dug the trench that made the work that brought me out of the rut that I was in. And I vocalized it to the Father. And I'm here today because of him. And you can be too. 
So Father, I pray that would resound in us, that we would be lights to this world. Now with every head bowed, every eye closed, if today you want to take a seat at the table with the Father and you want to start the journey to seek his kingdom, to repent of things that you have done and to seek his righteousness and his kingdom, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you want to make that commitment, I just want you to look up, Mappy, so I can see you. I see you in the back. Make eye contact with me. Don't, 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 I see you. Don't not make eye contact with me until I see you. See you. Don't look down until I see you. See you. And even if I miss you, the Heavenly Father doesn't. Pray this prayer with me. You don't have to repeat after me. I just want you to pray it in your heart. Father, God, as there are people in here today that want to sit at that table with the Father, they want that peace. God, they could be 10. God, they could be 80. God, peace doesn't have an age limit or age bracket. God, you want it for us today. God, allow them to repent of the things they've done right now so that you can forgive them of their sin. And they can take a seat at the greatest dinner table ever and be in the presence of a father that loves them, that cares for them, that calls them his adopted child. And God, let us all seek your kingdom and your righteousness as we walk out of this room. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCCNorco. Or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.